Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to another Wednesday night here on the Steel Curtain Network. And if it's Wednesday, you know it's time for the Curtain Call. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict, here with Shannon White. As always, Shannon, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I've been under the weather, but I'm kind of getting a little better. So hopefully I'll, I'll have a clear voice and we'll have a lot of fun tonight. All right. Here with us to talk about the Michigan Wolverines is the Steel Curtain Network's own Michigan Wolverine fan, Andrew Wilbar. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Always ready to talk some Michigan football. Yeah, and you're not, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're not just a fan. You're actually there on campus. No, I'm not. Okay, you're not on campus anymore. I'm not on campus, no. Okay. I'm, I grew up about 45 minutes from the stadium. I think we mentioned it before. Jeff and I were born in the same hospital, born same in the same town. city, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Good old um, Adrian, Michigan. Adrian, Michigan. All right. Um, Andrew, I got to start this off. I got to start this off knowing that you are a Steelers fan and a Wolverines fan. Which is a more accurate description of the color yellow, the Wolverines maze or Steelers gold? I'm, I would say Steelers gold overall, honestly, because the maze really isn't that much different than some of the other yellows that, you know, are similar. Gold is, you know, it's on its own pedestal, you know, it's on its own. So I would say gold is a little bit more distinct than maze because maze is so close to a bunch of different colors, but same way. Always got to say maize and blue. Always got to say black and gold. It's not right if you say it any other way. <laughs> yes, All it right. is not. It is not black and yellow. That's right. It's black and gold. Good job, young man. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> to be the contrarian, uh, I love this is one of my favorite stories. I actually worked with a lady who worked for the company that makes the Steelers jerseys for the team that they actually wear. And she brought us in the tag from the dye that they use to make the Steelers jerseys. And do you want to know what the name of the dye color of the color on the Steelers jersey that we call gold? Do you know what the name of it is? Cornflower yellow. And if you look up a Google image search of yellow cornflowers, it's the exact color. It is the exact color on the Steelers jersey. Uh, So the color name in the Steelers, we may call it gold. Uh, but the dye they use to make it is cornflower yellow. Just I like throwing that out there just to cause trouble. See what's see what's funny is that when my grandfather, he was the one who kind of brought the Steelers tradition to the family. He had passed away back in 2020, and at the funeral, I was you know wearing a Steelers tie and everything like that in honor of him. Well, the pallbearer he's he's giving all the pallbearers the person who's doing the uh, from the funeral home. He was giving all the pallbearers these flowers to wear. And they were yellow, and we were all wearing black suits. He's like, well, this is going to go for the Steelers because they're black and yellow. And yep. he kept on saying black and yellow, black and yellow. I'm like, my grandpa would be wanting to come out of his grave. All right. Pulled out of the casket. No. <laughs> exactly. This terrible towel is gold. Yes. <laughs> all right. All right. To get into, to, to get into the actual topic here, uh, got to start with, in my opinion, the offensive line. Uh, the Michigan Wolverines offensive line was the hallmark of their team the last couple of years. Of the offensive line avail- of, that are entering the draft from Michigan, uh, which one would you say is your favorite and would best fit the Steelers? 
I like Olu Oluwatimi on tape for Michigan. I know he didn't test as well uh, as what many people expected, including myself. But from game to game consistency, he was the most consistent piece on that offensive line. He was the one who anchored that line. Um, he's got the pad level. He's uh, you know very physical in the run game, obviously. Um, but from a technical standpoint, I think he's ready to come in and have an immediate impact on an NFL team. The question is, you know, what is his upside in the NFL? We saw him test. Numbers across the board were a little bit underwhelming, but he he was the one who sprung both of those big runs in that Michigan-Ohio State game with Donovan Edwards. He was the one who sprung both of those runs, and he really performed the best down the stretch when Michigan had difficult games on the schedule. He was the one who performed really the best of the entire line, and the rest of the line seemed to really feed off him. I got to ask both him and Ryan Hayes at the scouting combine last week uh, the impact that Sharon Moore had on their development. And if I remember correctly, Oluwatimi was the one who just said he pays attention to the minor details of the game. And you can kind of see that in his game when he came from Virginia. Obviously, he was already, you know, considered for the Remington Award, all that was already known as one of the top centers in college football. What was not very technically sound was winning pretty much just with sheer talent is power, wasn't very coordinated, wasn't, you know, the quickest on his feet, stopped moving his feet at times. All of that got fixed when he came to Michigan and Sharon Moore got to work with him. Uh, so I got Sharon Moore really for the development of both him and Ryan Hayes. But Oluwatimi is a guy, you know, probably talking third or fourth round now. It would have been, you know, an early day two pick if you would have tested better. Well, I was telling uh, GB before you, you know, come on, I was – I'm not that familiar with Michigan this year, but watching the combine, I was impressed with Hayes. Uh, you know, I, w- I watched a few games, especially the Ohio State game, and I, you know, the line was very impressive. And so I was excited to see Hayes, and and I thought he was impressive in drills. Uh, I liked his intensity. I liked his focus, his effort level. You know, he attacked every drill. Uh, you know, some of the guys seemed like they was just trying to get through it without falling or making a mistake, but he really went, uh, he competed as you know, that's a word that is important, especially when you're looking at a guy like him and an offensive lineman. Um, how do you think he would fit? I mean, I, I assume he's a right tackle based on what I've seen. How do you think he would fit with the Steelers zone blocking scheme? Well, the last two years at Michigan, he played at left tackle, but I think his best fit in the NFL is either going to be a right tackle or maybe even inside at guard. He doesn't have extremely long arms. Um, that's the one thing that could hold him back for a while. I find, honestly, a lot of similarities between him and Dan Moore as it pertains to the situations they were in college. Of course, Dan Moore was a part of a great offensive line at Texas A&M, and a lot of people, including myself, asked, you know, how much is he really considering he's on such a great line? And you know, I don't know how, you know, as it pertains to, you know, how easy his assignments were. I'm an offensive aficionado by any stretch of the imagination. But one thing I do know is that more um, specific or with one thing with more, I know that he's more of a zone blocker. Hayes, um, he's a little bit more power of a guy, but a lot, both of them had issues at times, keeping their pads a, l- a little bit too high and uh, just a lot of different technical issues with their game. Uh, but as it pertains to, you know, both of them, they both have a mean streak in their game, both taller athletes that have physicality at the point of attack. Um, and like you were mentioning with Hayes, you know, the actual individual drills, you know, didn't have a great 40, not a great split, mm-hmm. only average split time. Uh, but as it pertains to, you know, the on-field drills, he would look pretty fluid and the more fluid than what I had expected. Sometimes he is a little bit, he stopped moving his feet sometimes when he was in pass sets at Michigan. Um, 
I have a feeling that in the NFL, if he stays at tackle, some of the bendier edge rushers may get the best of him because he sometimes struggles to get low and um, low enough around the edge. So I think guard may be a good fit for him. Um, but right tackle as well. I don't see him being a left tackle in the NFL, but um, just because of his lack of length um, in terms of arm length. Last offensive lineman I think that they have coming out that's that's projected to go is uh, Zach Zinter, the right guard. I believe uh, he returned to school. Oh, he returned. I was he looking returned. for. I always. It's the hardest thing for me to find. Is yes. always like who's actually coming back. Okay, so he's coming back. <laughs> is there anyone else on the offensive line then that we should uh, talk about, even as like late day prospects or anything? I think those are the only two. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, let's go to uh, Blake Corum. Obviously, he was injured. Is he? Is he out? Is he going or is he coming back? He, he returned to school as well. He returned to school as well. Michigan's backfield time. is going to be dominant in twenty twenty three. That's gonna be that's gonna be nice. That's gonna be nice. Um, well, I'm just going through all my names here. That's great. Um, uh, tight end, Scootmaker. Is he back or is he? He's he, he's he's in the draft. He's in so. the draft. Okay, okay. So we can talk about him. <laughs> Thanks, Michigan. You're killing my show. Uh, anyways, Luke Scootmaker. Um, now he he to me looks like uh, he's a good blocker. Obviously. Uh, and he's more athletic than, say, a, a Zach Gentry or even uh, like a Jesse James uh, type. Do you do you think Schoonmaker could be a serious, like, good option for a Steelers number two tight end next to Pat Fryermuth? He could be. He didn't run, like, an extended route tree at Michigan. You know, he is very limited. You know, it was really just basic posts, comebacks, and fades. That was pretty much all he did at Michigan in terms of running routes. But – he ran a lot better 40 than what, you know, I was in the stands when he ran his 40 and I believe it was a four, six, three. He ran, which is a lot faster than what I'd expected. Um, very sure handed goes up, is willing to go and fight for contested catches in the red zone uh, was a bigger part of Michigan's offense down the stretch this past season. Um, and obviously as a blocker, you know, he was solid as a blocker, but he even has the frame. I believe he's like six foot five, two fifty one. He has a big enough frame to even add a little bit more weight and become a little bit more physical as a blocker. So I think there's a lot of upside with Schoonmaker. And considering how deep this tight end class is, it wouldn't shock me if he falls all the way to day three and the Steelers can maybe get themselves a steal in that fourth round. Maybe if they trade back and somehow accumulate a fifth or a sixth round pick, um, he may even be available in that area just because of how deep this tight end class is. What kind of, um, I know there was one receiver that I seen on here, uh, Bell, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Bell. Uh, and, I didn't really pay attention to him because I'm really not that interested in a receiver for the Steelers this year. I'm really more focused on a tight end. Uh, there is a receiver, but he doesn't play for Michigan. And you know he's one of your sleepers too. And that's uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton. But we might mention him in a minute. But what do you think about uh, Bell? He's more of a possession guy, isn't he? He, he is kind of a possession guy, but he's a guy who can play inside or out. He's versatile. He can play out the slot. He does a good job creating separation. He's a solid route runner. He's not going to run past you. He ran, I think, a 4-5-4 four, four in the 40. Um, but, you know, six nine eight three cone shows a little bit just of his uh, ability to change direction uh, in the open field. He was Mr. Consistent for Michigan when healthy. I think the big concern with him is durability, for one. Um, He struggled with injuries during his time at Michigan. And then he would just go through phases where he was just not a part of the game plan. So, you know, I don't totally understand the reasoning why. 
but he would go games with pretty much being a non-factor. And then he'd appear out of nowhere. It's like, oh yeah, Ronnie Bell still plays for us. And Ronnie Bell's still quote unquote, our number one wide receiver. You know, he was just out of the game plan for so long. So there's concerns about consistency. Um, But I think he's one of those guys that's probably going to go in the later rounds, fifth, sixth, maybe even the seventh round, but he's going to come in, have an impact. And everyone's going to be wondering, you know, how did we pass up on this guy? I think of guys like, you know, uh, the slot receiver for the Raiders uh, out of Clemson, name is slumping me. Um, it's going to kill me. Uh, it's not Matt Collins, but it's the other guy um, had a really good 2022 season or 2021 season. Renfro? Yes, Hunter Renfro. Yeah. A guy like that, a guy who's got some versatility, not going to test outstandingly, but a guy who's going to separate and a guy who's going to make, you know, catches underneath. And everyone's going to be like, you know, how did he slip so far in the draft? Hmm. Oh, I have my sorry. Uh with Ronnie Bell, do you do you see him as a guy you have to design uh stuff for? Uh I know I know a lot of guys like those guys that can move around, they can go inside outside, but one of the problems is they can't really, you know, win consistently from like being an outside receiver. Do you think Ronnie Bell fits that category of a guy who's going to have to be kind of a more limited slot receiver? Or is he a guy who you think could grow into uh, being an outside receiver? Because to me, he reminds me of, he reminds me a lot of the Deontay Johnson type. Like, he's not really a burner. He's going to get open. He's going to be reliable. He's going to get you a lot of targets, a lot of receptions. Uh, could he be the kind of guy to move into that X receiver slot? Or do you think he's better off just being a number three? I think his best fit long-term is in the slot, but I know specifically with the Steelers, they like their slot receivers to have some physicality. And that's not something Ronnie Bell specifically has. Some teams that played press against Michigan, that could have been the reason why he was a non-factor a lot of times. Sometimes he struggles to get off the line against press. So that could be one reason why he may not be the best fit in Pittsburgh as pertains to other teams. But he is going to have to become, you know, you are going to have to scheme ways to help him get open, be able to get off the line of scrimmage for one. Um, but I would say overall, depend. It, a lot of it will just depend on the scheme. But I think he's going to be more of that, you know, number three type receiver. Well, I hate to switch over to defense already, but you know, I'm really wanting a defensive focused draft for the Steelers this year, and that's where I'm excited to, to talk about for Michigan uh, is Maisie Smith. Uh, I don't know if you watched her Hangover podcast Monday, but he was a guy that I said could. Would be a great day if he was to somehow get to 49. Uh, not saying that he will, but if there's a guy, the Steelers need some beef inside. They need somebody that's going to be able to not only tie blockers, but be disruptive. Uh, they really haven't had that uh, since Hargrave left. And I, I was really impressed with him uh, watching him during the, the season. Uh, and he, you know, he had an excellent game against Ohio State, uh, and they had to really focus on him, and you know that really helped uh, the defense, you know, uh, win that game. Uh, what is some things, some qualities about him that we might not know just from watching the combine? Well, he is the most athletic defensive lineman in this draft class, hands down, above Jalen Carter, above anyone else. Based upon pure athleticism, Mozzie mm. Smith is the most athletic guy. If he would have run the 40, even at 323 pounds, I think he weighed in at, he would have probably run somewhere like in the 4'8 range, which is 
incredible. Yeah. I mean, the man is a true freak of nature. I believe he only participated in the bench reps. He's still been battling a little bit of an injury. Mm-hmm. But the big concern coming into the combine in terms of measurements was his arm length. A lot of people are saying, you know, does he have like 31-inch arms, 32-inch arms? He measured in, I think it was 33 and a quarter inch arms, which was a big win for him and his draft stock. The bad part is he didn't participate in anything else. It's going to be important to see what he tests at the Michigan Pro Day because he was not productive in college. Part of that was due to the fact that Michigan was specifically having him Mm -hmm. focus on the run. Michigan, pretty much they exclusively used their pass rushers on the outside to be able to generate pressure. This past year it was Mike Morris in uh, Oki. And then the previous year, obviously, it was Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. They were trusting on those two middle guys, which a year ago was Chris Hinton and him and Mozzie Smith and a rotation of guys this past year to focus in solely on stopping that run, which was what really allowed Michigan's defense to work as it did. So I'm not as worried about as some are about the production because he did create some penetration, especially as the year went on this year. He had a little bit more of an impact as a pass rusher, even though he wasn't finishing. But you do have concerns about, you know, production from people I talked to at the combine. I think he will be not only available at 49, but I think there's a chance he could even slide to pick 80, which would be an incredible steal just based upon mm-hmm. the athleticism at that point. You know, you, you got just got to take a chance on the talent and trust, you know, that guy like Carl Dunbar can get the most out of a guy with this. He's got a pretty good work ethic from what I can tell from, you know, the Michigan beat writers that I've talked about and just other um, connections that, you know, have connections to Michigan as well. I, I don't see the Steelers going after a guy of his nature because it seems like the Steelers have transitioned fully to the longer framed 310 pound range type defensive linemen that are in that same mold. There are a lot of rumors surrounding Keanu Benton already. I was talking to uh, one person who is the former strength and conditioning coach at Florida. And uh, he's said that a lot of people have told them that Javon Dexter fits exactly what the Steelers look for in defensive line. I haven't gone through all of his tape, but just his physical traits. A lot of people are comparing him to what Chris Jones was like coming out of college, not a guy who was extremely productive in college, but fits mm-hmm. a similar mold uh, has a lot of similarities physically to Chris Jones. That could be a guy the Steelers go after. I don't think it's going to be Mozzie Smith, but at the same time, I would love to be wrong because I think this guy has a ton of potential and he fits more the mold of the typical three, four nose tackle can be that two gap defender. Yeah. I think, I think if you, the Steelers have a difference between like their defensive ends in the three, four set and the nose tackles. Uh, Javon Hargrave wasn't quite as long. Like they'll, they'll go for mm-hmm. shorter guys, but they like guys who were quick. Yeah. They like quickness at that nose tackle. I think Mazzy Smith really like, he's one I'm very excited about. It's almost mm-hmm. like every school has someone I'm very excited about. I'm joining Shannon here. I'm all in on Mozzie, Mozzie Smith coming. Uh, he does something that I love to watch on film with Cameron Hayward, and, and they brought it up in television broadcasts, where he'll get that one arm into a guy and just shut him down. And it's like he has complete control of this guy with just one arm. Uh, and when you see Mozzie Smith doing that, he did that a couple of times in Ohio State. Those are NFL. Mm-hmm. Those are like you, he's good. Mozzie's going to be in the NFL. Those guys are going to be in the NFL. To me, I think he's got the strength and the power to do it. Uh, you see him – with some of those pass rushes where he does that, that, that Larry Joby win where he kind of leans one side and just throws the guy and goes around him the other way. I, he's kind of brutal in that fashion, uh, which I love. And that's kind of the Steelers defensive line is just be really strong and, and mean about it. Uh, my question is, 
does he fit outside of nose tackle? When they're in their four-man fronts at defensive tackle, the, did he get to do that much at Michigan where he was kind of the, you know, the the three-tech, like sitting there in that guard gap, attacking that gap? Uh, did he get much chance to do that? And was he effective at all there? He did. He was honestly used more in that facet just because of the amount of 4-3 that Michigan was aligned in. So, yeah, he, he has plenty of experience as a three-tech. Um, a lot of people have looked to, you know, Jordan Davis of last year and seen how he fit in with Philadelphia's 4-3. And comparing to that, I don't think he necessarily compares to Jordan Davis specifically. But if you look at a guy like Don Terry Poe, um, who was in, you know, multiple schemes, both 3-4 and 4-3 during his time in Kansas City and, you know, during his NFL career, I think he's a really good comp for Mozzie Smith. Now, Poe had a little bit more production, you know, it was a little bit safer of a pick coming out than Smith, who's a huge boomer bust pick. But at the same time, I feel was held back somewhat due to the role that he had to play and pretty much just maintaining and, you know, defending the run specifically and not really getting a full chance to prove how good he can be as a pass rusher. I've been wanting to ask you this ever since, you know, you was at the combine through the week. You're, we started seeing a lot of mock drafts talking about the Steelers at 17, looking at Clemson and Breezy. And, I'll be honest, I am a, I like to watch Clemson. I really watched them a lot when Trevor Lawrence was there. Uh, I, I like their offense. I like to watch, you know, they always have talent on defense. And I'm always excited who the Steelers might, because, you know, I think they put out some quality young men, not just athletes. But watching him, I mean, he was hurt. There was so much going on with him, uh, you know, and, and his family and, and, you know, it's a tragic story, and he's really overcome a lot. But to me, he's more story than he is production. He, I was just not that impressed. And then watching him during the combine, it seemed like that everybody bought into the story. Uh, what was your opinion of Breezy? I'm not excited about him at 17. I, as a matter of fact, unless I had a late first-round pick, I wouldn't consider him. What is your opinion of Breezy? Yeah, I wouldn't want him at 17. Super athletic guy, extremely talented, but you have the injury concern for one. And also, you know, lack of production. He's very stiff, plays very mm -hmm. upright. Um, not the greatest uh, gaining leverage uh, early on in the snap, which could be due to the fact, you know, that he does play a little bit up high. Uh, so I do have concerns about Breesy. I I've heard those same rumors as well. I don't think the Steelers are going to go that direction at 17. If Joey Porter Jr. is there at 17, I would be shocked if the Steelers passed. I've heard rumors about the Steelers reaching for Addison at 17, which I wouldn't be a huge fan of, but I could understand why, just because of the picket connection, but not what I would choose. I've also heard Deontay Banks, the corner from Maryland, um, is a guy who could be a fit there, um, as well as if there, if by a chance one of the top three tackles fall. Those seem to be the most likely uh, picks for the Steelers at 17. Mm. Speaking of cornerbacks, DJ Turner had a pretty good combine himself. Uh, does his does I mean, obviously obviously when you run that fast, uh, you're going to get a lot of attention. Is this a speed that was expected? Is this a guy who's going to move up draft boards? Because you look at his film and you say, "Oh, he's a good corner," and then you see that speed and you're like, "Oh wow, he's a good corner with that kind of speed." Uh, or is this a case of of a guy who has traits but isn't the best football player? 
well, I already had a second round grade on DJ Turner before he ran the 40. I'm probably not going to change too much from that just because when watching the tape, it, it he is a fast corner. He's kept up with some of the faster receivers in the Big Ten. He's twitchy. Obviously, I, you know, he's played in both off coverage and press. He does really good job of rerouting receivers right off the line, uh, going stride for stride with them down the field. He's physical. He has good awareness to be able to know when to turn around. I think the big concern heading to the NFL is that he did get a little bit grabby at times. I don't know if maybe it's just his lack of confidence since he's a little bit slight of frame for an outside corner. Maybe he moves inside in the NFL. I don't know. He didn't play a whole lot of time in the slot at Michigan. He was almost exclusively outside. Uh, but, you know, on the outside, he did get away with some grabbing that I don't think he'll get away with at the NFL. But he's physical. He's feisty. He has the speed. Uh, he has the ball skills. I think he's one of the more underrated corners in this class, but there's so many guys in that category. Darius Rush is a guy who's coming up the board from uh, South Carolina, had a great combine. Already mentioned Deontay Banks. There's so many good corners in this class. There's not very many positions that you can say that in a class like this, but corner and running back are absolutely stacked, and someone's going to fall. So even if you know, you're know you a Steelers fan and you're sitting there at 17 and Joey Porter Jr. is off the board, you know, don't freak out. You know The Steelers can – do something else with that 17th pick and they can come back at 32 or even maybe even pick 49 and get a guy like Turner who may not be ready to be a CB one immediately, but will have an immediate impact, whether it be in the slot or out wide. All right. Well, we are about halfway through our show, so we're going to stop here and take a break. Uh, I don't know if you're, if you're up for sticking around for the second half, Andrew, if you got to get out of here, but I'll let you make that choice. Yeah, I'm good for it. Let's go. All right. All right. So when we come back, we'll continue talking about Michigan. We'll get into, where we could see these guys fit and how, uh, where we could see the Steelers drafting them. We'll get into that right after this break. Do, 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 do. Commercial break. And we're back. Uh, we left off with DJ Turner. I'm going to jump in here because I've got one more guy I want to ask about uh, really quick, really. Uh, Jake Moody. The kicker from Michigan. Uh, would you draft? Do you think he's going to get drafted? Do you think he's good enough to actually go in the draft? I think he's in that category. Uh, do you think we see another kicker get drafted? And do you think it's Jake Moody? I think he does. He is my highest rated kicker. Um, there's not a bunch of great kickers in this draft in terms of range. Moody, specifically over the last couple of years at Michigan, you can tell that his leg strengthened and his leg got stronger. When he first came to Michigan, the big difference between him and Quinn Nordine was Nordine had this huge leg and he could pretty much kick from infinity, but was very sporadic in terms of accuracy, whereas Moody was you know, pretty accurate. But as time went on, he expanded that distance. And of course, he had that, what was it, a 57, 59 yard field goal in that semifinal game against TCU. Um, he's really improved his leg strength overall. Um, I got to ask him one question at the combine, uh, but just overall talking to him, he's very calm, very collected. It, he almost in some ways reminds me of Chris Boswell as a per, from a personality standpoint, you know, very calm, not going to say a whole lot, not going to do a whole lot, but he's going to get the job done. Uh, we interviewed Brad Robbins for the Steelers fix a few weeks back. Um, and he was like, I, you know, I was Jake's roommate for a couple of years. I think, Outside of, you know, like when we were playing a game or something like that, I think he said like two words to me the entire year. <laughs> um, he's like the quietest dude I know, uh, but he's very collected. I think he's going to be a good kicker in the NFL, which I wouldn't have thought that it, when he first came to Michigan, but he just year after year became more and more consistent, improved the leg, got stronger. And I think he's going to be the first kicker taken in this draft. 
Well, that's some high comparison comparing him to Chris Boswell. I mean, you know, Boswell might be quiet, but does this guy have a smoking hot girlfriend like Boswell does? <laughs> I mean, if he does, draft him. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously he can handle pressure and he's cool under fire. And he can, you know, you said he can make a 58 yarder, oh draft him, put some pressure on Boswell. See, I didn't have the audacity to ask that question because, okay, so I, I mentioned this on the Steelers fix. I had to be that idiot who, okay, so there were there were two players. I, I didn't learn my lesson the first time either. So there's two players in this draft that have names with those that are related to people within the NFL. So one of them is Zach Koontz, the old Dominion tight end. I yes. looked up online to check and make sure, okay, you know, before I ask him anything, you know, about the Steelers, you know, if, you know, he has any ties to the Steelers, I'm going to make sure that this is right. So I Googled to make sure that, you know, it's right, you know, is Christian Koontz, you know, and uh, Zach Koontz brothers, you know, just trying to search those keywords. And there was an article that came up saying that, you know, his brother, Christian Koontz, that article was wrong. <laughs> I went up and asked the man. <laughs> What did your brother teach you that's going to help you get through this draft process? <laughs> Ironically, he does have a brother that is named Christian, but it is not oh, the Steelers' wow. long snapper, Christian. Oh. <laughs> so, as dumb as I was, I got caught doing it a second time with Marvin Mims, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, did the exact same uh -huh, thing. Yeah. He is not related at all to uh, Denzel Mims. In fact, he actually yeah. said that he has never met Mar uh, Denzel Mims. So, wow. Uh, I had a lot of good first experiences in the combine. That was one lesson that I'm going to uh, <laughs> learn from and hopefully never do again. <laughs> uh. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. There is one final Michigan prospect we do need to cover, and that is you brought him up, Mike Morris, uh, the edge rusher. Now, he uh, – I, I didn't see his combine numbers, but I know before that he was listed in the 270s. Um, is he more of an edge rusher? Is he – a guy who could fit kind of a DeMarvin Leal role as a five tech, a four eye, and then, you know, also be able to do as a bigger edge rusher. Uh, do you think he, he could fit at all in a three, four kind of scheme like the Steelers have? I really don't. Cause he plays like an edge rusher. He's way too big to be, you know, considered to put out, you know, as an outside linebacker. Uh, but I was disappointed by his overall workout. So he measured at six foot five, 275, 33 and a half inch arms. He ran a 4.95 in the 40, which I did not expect at all. Everyone was talking about how good of an athlete he was, how good he was going to test. His split time was 1.72, not that great. 28.5 vertical G, uh, vertical jump, a 9-foot-2 broad, only 22 reps on the bench, okay. The rest of his numbers were not good, and he didn't look that good in on-field drills either. He was slipping several times on the turf. Um, I, I mean, I guess it could have been a turf issue, but I didn't see other guys in his uh, group having that same issue mm -hmm. um but he was just he struggled to maintain his footing he was trying to make cuts they weren't coming clean he's a guy who probably hurt his stock just as much as anybody um before this you know a lot of people were saying he could be a you know second round pick a guy who has the size of you know an interior defensive lineman but you know has the athleticism to play on the outside as well i mean some people were saying you know he could be you know a poor man's Rashawn gary kind of you know a guy who is you know bigger but mm -hmm. could play on the outside uh, but that is not the case after this week. He struggled in just about every facet of his workout. They'll have to redeem himself at the pro day, but as of right now, he's probably trending toward a day three selection. Well, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because you got to witness. Uh, 
a guy have like a phenomenal <clears throat> combine. I mean, Richardson just come out and pure athleticism. That guy is off the charts. Yeah. Um, the way he can throw the ball, the, his build, the way he carries himself, the way he throws the ball. Um, you know, we thought Willis had a really good combine and, and pro day last year, but Richardson took it to another level. Well, I'm hearing people talk about him top 10 and high in the top 10. And I didn't think he was a first round pick in my opinion, coming into yeah. that combine. Uh, you got to see it. It was a very small sample size in college, obviously. Uh, I kept hearing before the combine, people comparing him to Big Ben and to Cam Newton. Uh, I thought that was kind of insulting because Ben was one of the most talented guys I've ever seen, uh, just all the way around, athletically, everything, great arm. And then Cam Newton won a national championship in the Heisman Trophy. So I'm like, you know, how can they compare this guy? Well, he goes out there, and he's off the charts. Um, to me, you know, I think people were blowing him up. But to me, it's all fit with that guy. If you get him in the right fit, but that will never happen if he's a top 10 pick. Because, you know, if he goes top 10, they're going to be pressure. They're going to be screaming. Yeah. Um, was you hearing the same things we was hearing? I mean, you're there. We're at home, and I mean, there's people just drooling all over this guy and making him out there. You know, I thought he was going to, it was Clark Kent, and he was getting ready to tear his shirt off, but, you know, like Devin White did, show the Superman undershirt. Uh, was, was the combine lit up as much as the TV audience was? Yes. And I, you know, I was watching it from the stands. They restricted the media access a little bit more this year because they allowed more media members with credentials. Mm. Um, so they didn't allow media members to go on field this year, but just watching him from the stands. I mean, the man was not moving his lower body at all, literally flicking it with the wrist and tossing yeah. it 60 yards down the field. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. His mechanics aren't there. He doesn't have the greatest footwork, you know, all that stuff. But like you said, if you're patient with him, I mean, I lost my mind when I heard that he was declaring for the draft because you know, he was my guy preseason. I'm like, you know, this is the guy that I want. If he develops this year, he's going to be, you know, the next Josh Allen, you know, type quarterback who has sky high mm -hmm. potential. But he was awful for the majority of the year. The Utah game was good. He had a couple other good games. That was it. I mean, mm -hmm. the numbers speak for themselves. But it was impressive. It was absolutely impressive. And he has the want to in the drive. I moved him ahead of Will Levis on my draft board. Uh, Cause he interviewed much better, even just addressing the media, you know, you can tell that he has the want to and the drive to try to become better. He was talking about, you know, he looks up, you know, guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, all these guys. He's like, I want to be like one of those guys. You can see in his face and in his expressions, he wants to become great. Will Levis was asked the question during his combine presser. Uh, what, you know, why are you throwing here at the combine? I mean, he had, he had forgone his chances to play in the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. He was dealing with an injury, so I kind of understand that. But he was asked that question. He's like, well, I've got a cannon. I want to show it off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Seriously, dude? I mean, is that all you've got? I mean, I, I have Richardson higher up because he has the drive, and he has more upside overall. I actually was sitting behind. I was sitting in front of one person in the media section, um, a lady who works for Fox Sports. And based upon things that she has heard, I don't, you know, 
I've never gotten, you know, insight from this lady before, but she had said that her big prediction for draft night, she believes that the Indianapolis Colts are going to trade up to the number one pick with the Chicago Bears, not to take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, but to take Anthony Richardson, number one overall. Ooh, mm. That would shake up the draft. Oh, wow. Hey, I'm all for it because that means that a better prospect to follow the Steelers. So well, I think hey, regardless, inside the yeah. top ten, he, he's he's a for sure a top ten pick at this point. I think I don't think there's any way that Will Levis even goes ahead of him at this point. He is well, at least move up that far. To me, uh, I've always had Levis. I'm not impressed with Levis. Levis has got a great fastball, but his off speed game ain't there. And and I don't think it's it's all between the ears either. Uh, Richardson just needs more seasoning and the right system. To me, Shroud uh, is easily the number one quarterback in this draft. And he, he ought to go one and whoever needs a quarterback trade up and take him number one. Shroud's it. Because I'm pretty sure you're as big as Young is. <laughs> yeah. Did you stand next to Young? Did you get to stand next to Young White was there? I didn't. I did get to ask him a question in the media scrum, but uh, no, I did not get to stand next to him. I will say, though, um, if you want one quarterback that I think that's going to go higher than a lot of people, maybe not late first, but early day two, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. He had an outstanding throwing session at the combine. His tape is pretty good, too. He's very poised inside the pocket. He's moved all the way up to my fifth quarterback in this draft, above Hendon Hooker, above Tanner McKee, above all those other day two guys. He's a guy who has potential long-term. Um, I was standing next to him. He's the first guy that I had seen when I was walking in on Thursday um, to go and get my credential. And, you know, he was there standing with his uh, trainer, whoever it was, um, was just watching him just kind of go through his routine, everything that he was doing, you know, while he was waiting. So composed. It got a little bit frustrating in the line because he was right in front of me in line as he was getting, you know, his guys, you know, their credentials to be able to get, you know, into the practice rooms, into the gym, whatever. And, you know, it was, there was a little bit of a slip up in the line and, you know, he's just as cool as can be super calm and collected. Um, he's a guy who's not, doesn't have the greatest athleticism, but a guy that I think if you're looking for a pocket passer, he's a guy who can make it in the league. All right. So we're talking about quarterbacks in this draft class. Uh, I want to get your opinion here, Andrew, where would you rank? Let's say Kenny Pickett had come out into this draft class. Where would you have Kenny Pickett in this draft class? I, I just want you like take away last season, what Kenny Pickett showed as a as a rookie in the NFL. Uh, where would you have rated him this season? Because I think I think it's such a stark difference in the quality of quarterback classes. Yeah, if we're not looking at what he did in his rookie season, just based upon the grade I had on him last year, he would have been the fifth quarterback in this draft. All the four quarterbacks would have had a higher grade than Pickett. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So now. Add back in his rookie season. Uh, where would he rank for you? Like for if you had the choice of any of the quarterbacks they have right now in the draft, and Kenny Pickett for the Steelers quarterback, uh, where where would you rank them? I would move him above Levis. I'm always a traits guy, dependent, you know, almost regardless yeah. of position. So it would be tough for me to say that I would put him above Richardson just because of how much potential he has, and you know. There's also the argument that, you know, even if you can't develop him more as a passer, his pure athleticism as a runner is already better than or as good as Lamar Jackson in some ways. You know, he's a yeah. combination between he has the physicality of Josh Allen as a runner, but the speed of Lamar Jackson, which is <laughs> scary to think about. So, yeah. you know, even if he doesn't develop as a passer, can could he be able to come into a run first team and, you know, just become a running style quarterback? That's obviously not how you want to use him. 
But in the worst case scenario, could you get some, you know, years out of him where you could have a successful offense with him being in that type of quarterback? You probably could. So I, I, I would put Richardson above Pickett uh, still, but I would definitely give Pickett, you know, the edge over Levish now that I've seen him for a year and just seen uh, how quickly the team has been won over through, you know, through him. The team already has that respect for him. And you have that concern with Levis. Yeah. Well, I know you've seen what I've been talking about. And you, uh, I think that Richardson would be a great option for the Ravens because the Ravens are trying to figure out what to do. They did the non-exclusive franchise tag. And, you know, now they're saying people are not bidding on Jackson because of what happened with Watson and Cleveland. Uh, I think that the question is still out there. Can you win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson? And if you're going to pay one of these guys this astronomical amounts, you know, they have to be able to win a Super Bowl. And because there's a lot of options there that can do what he's done and get you in the playoffs a lot cheaper. But you're talking about Richardson, even if he doesn't develop more as a passer. Uh, look at what the Giants accomplished with Danny Daniel Jones. I mean, he he would look great in an offense like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where you don't put a lot of pressure on him and let him develop it at that rate. You know, Ben kind of had that at first. You know, when he come in the league. Um, and then you got a team like Atlanta. A lot of people's tied Lamar Jackson to Atlanta. He would look good there. There is teams out there that I think already have offenses set up that, you know, could really consider him. Uh, you know, is Ritter the guy in Atlanta? Or, would, or are they like, hey, we're going to double dip. We're going to take a guy like Richardson this year. You know, it's something to think about. But when you see what Danny Jones just signed for, uh, you know, He's financially set, and he had, what, 16, 17 touchdowns all year, you know, as far as passing. So um, I'm really – there's a couple other guys that I think – that happens every year. Nolan Smith. Uh, I mean, the guy was the number one high school recruit coming out of high school. Now here he is, and he blows the combine away. He would have been to talk with the combine if Richardson hadn't went after him you know, a couple of days. But you look at Nolan Smith and his production at college wasn't there. Yeah. He never lived up to that, you know, five-star recruit. And and now there's a lot of teams talking about, you know, that he moved up. But see, that's what I, I love the combine is always you use it as a confirmation tool. Right. The the interview process. And, you know, I, I watch the drill. I watch for body language and for poise competitiveness you know you see guys that were banks out of maryland we talked a little bit about him earlier when we was talking about turner to me banks was an alpha of those quarterbacks i love gonzalez because that's the smoothest guy out there to me he's the number one corner just from all his intangibles and attributes but after that i thought banks competed and impressed me more than the other guys so to me, Banks would, I mean, I would consider him at 17. Uh, and, you know, he played in a, you know, against some top competition as well. Um, what did you hear about Banks? I mean, were other people sold on him as I was? A lot of people were surprised and weren't expecting him to test as well as 
you know, he actually ended up testing. <clears throat> I know a lot of people got on Mel Kuyper earlier in the draft process because he was having him in like his mock draft 1.0. He had him like his, you know, 15th overall player and everyone's losing their mind because uh, he's always been high in the Maryland guys, you know, blah, 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 mm. blah. Well, you know, he came in, he interviewed well, he tested well. I mean, everything across the board, he just, you know, he nailed it this week. And, you know, we know that Mike Tomlin has good connections with Maryland and he seems to trust the scouts in that region. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Steelers get him at 17. I think the Steelers could honestly move back a little bit. I heard a lot of rumors. One person told me that, who has insight to the Steelers, he said, I would be shocked if the Steelers do not move back with one of their first three picks. I think the most likely spot is at 32. But what if Joey Porter Jr. is off the board? What if the top three tackles are off the board? And, you know, what if they aren't as high on Jordan Addison as maybe what the media seems to think that they are? You know, maybe they feel like they can trade back into that 22-23 range if they get an offer to move back there. And then they may have the choice of Addison or Banks at that point as well. Because Emmanuel Forbes is another guy who moved up. There are so many corners that help their stock this week. There's going to be one of them that falls. It's just a matter of, you know, do the Steelers like more than one of them to where they're willing to trade back and just let whichever one fall to them that does. But do you think that Jerry Porter Jr. is just a leg? Legacy guy. I mean, you know, Joey Porter Jr. Um, I, I mean, to me, I thought Banks was more impressive uh, just from his intensity, the way he competed. Porter was just kind of a little bit laid back. Seemed like he was a little disappointed with his 40. You know, to me, it was just kind of more nonchalant where I thought Banks showed a lot more intensity and a couple of the other guys did too. And I mean, I understand the legacy, and that's I think that's why people, they want Addison because Pickett played with him. But now if you look at all the things, including his times that he's 40, that you can't justify taking him at 17. And then the same thing with Porter. If Porter goes 17, I think it's a legacy pick. With Porter, I loved his tape. Both, and I had him as my number one corner for this draft at this point last year. I was extremely high on him. And at this point, not very many people had him in the first round. He is really good in both zone and press. I know he doesn't have, you know, a lot of people talk about the turnover, lack of turnovers that he created, but he was very feisty getting in, in wide receivers face. He was very physical, uh, breaking up a lot of passes. And a lot of times I feel he didn't get a whole bunch of opportunities to intercept passes. Cause quite frankly, down the stretch of this past season, at least teams weren't throwing in his direction. I don't remember the passer rating that uh, rece- that quarterbacks had when throwing in his direction, but it was pretty impressive, uh, impressively low. And, you know, he can do a little bit of everything, but he is best in press. And I know that Jim Wexel had said on today's show um, on the Steel Curtain Network that uh, the Steelers are wanting a press guy. They want a press man guy. Uh, so that would probably give him the edge over a guy like Witherspoon. With Gonzalez, he has a lot of traits, and his tape isn't bad overall. I still need to finish going through his – uh, but a lot of times he gets a little bit caught up on stop and go routes. It'll get a little bit caught up when he's playing off coverage and zone. He doesn't have quite as good of instincts as Porter has. I just feel like Porter is a little bit more natural at the position, a little bit more naturally gifted. I think it showed a testament to his willingness to listen when his dad told him, you know, hey, you need to come back for another year. You're not ready. He had the chance to enter last year's draft and probably would have been a fairly high pick, but he decided to return. And I think the fact that, he didn't run the greatest 40 is good for the Steelers because when you watch him on tape, he's extremely quick and fast. Yeah. I think he's going to time maybe as good as the four threes at the pro day. Uh, Cause I know he was disappointed by that time. 
Um, so I'm excited to see what that is. I think that puts the Steelers in better position because he is going to be a little bit, um, he's going to fall down the board a little bit, but I loved his tape. All right. Well, we are, we are down to the last couple minutes of our show here. It's been great having you on Andrew. Great talking to all this, all the draft stuff, Michigan and otherwise. Uh, last question. I want to get you one last question here about the Michigan Wolverines. And that is if you could fit one player from the Michigan Wolverines class, this draft class, for how well they would fit the Pittsburgh Steelers. And just say, that player, man, that player is a Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, They fit what the Steelers want to do. What player would you see best fitting on the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's tough. I'm going between Mozzie and DJ Turner, obviously. But I I would probably go with Mozzie, just because I'd like to get back to that typical nose tackle build. Um, I think he could do a lot for Michigan – for the Steelers run game. I think he's one of the more underrated players in this class. And like I said, the fact that, you know, his arm length was better than what a lot of people uh, expected. I think that bodes well for him. And, but you know, either him or DJ Turner, I would love it if the Steelers can bring either of them in. Where would, where would you take Mozzie Smith? If he was there on the board, what pick are you looking at and saying, that's where I'm taking him? I would consider him at 49. I'd probably try to trade down a little bit from there. Um, But I think 49 would be fair value. Uh, but like I said, it, there's not a whole lot of buzz surrounding Mozzie Smith. Everyone's talking about Keanu Benton and Javon Dexter. Somebody's going to move down the board. Some people are saying Keandre Coburn could, you know, surprise people and go a little bit higher. So if he's that bigger guy that goes high, someone's going to drop, and it could be Mozzie Smith. And, you know, if he if he's there at pick 80, you know, I, I was thinking about one other guy earlier today, Blake Freeland, the offensive tackle from BYU, a guy that, you know, his tape is not that impressive, in my opinion. He did not play well at the senior bowl. He struggles against power very non-sound technically but a guy who had an outstanding combine workout has outstanding length has huge upside and is still fairly young if the Steelers don't take a tackle in free agency don't take a tackle early in the draft maybe you bring him in as a guy who could be an upgrade for more not in year one but down the line could be an upgrade and then or you know maybe a guy like Mozzie Smith who's not there yet but a guy who's got so much potential and with Carl Dunbar I'm not betting against that duo all right, Andrew, uh, if you want to give everyone, let them know what uh, they can get from you, what, what's coming up for you. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so this week um, on the website, finishing the free agency series, free agency each position the Steelers should consider. Um, I'll have my perfect offseason article that will come out probably early Monday or maybe even later this week. Um, but then after that, it's just focus solely on the draft. The big board will have more big board articles coming out, mock drafts, everything draft that you need to know before the big event takes place in the end of April. All right, Andrew. Thanks so much for being on. Uh, thanks, Shannon, as always, being here with me. Uh, for everyone listening, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for for taking the time uh, for the live chat and the comments. We always read them. We always like interacting with them. Uh, you guys also, you guys often inspire me to remember co- questions I'd wanted uh, to ask. So thank you for that. Um, and as always. Have a great week, and let's go Steelers.